Welcome to Rowan College of Burlington County's Baroness Podcast. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt, Program Chair and Assistant Professor of our Entertainment Technologies Department. I am the co-chair of the Women's Advocacy Group, a subcommittee of the President's Advisory Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This monthly series highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. Tune in for a female perspective on the Burlington County community. We are here to listen to these amazing women, and if you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. Well, welcome back, listeners. It is September. We are back on campus here at RCBC, and we are in full swing, and one of the things that um, I want to say is it's been busy. And we have two very busy women who are in one of the busiest offices here at RCBC. Today joining us is Erica Franklin, Experiential Learning Manager here at RCBC, and Deborah Clocus, Career Preparation Manager. And why I brought you two women on today is because there has been signage, events, emails, uh, lectures, Students are, I hear, coming to your office in droves because you guys are where it's at. So instead of me introducing what you do at your office, I'm going to have you guys tell me what you're doing here on campus. First, someone that I was actually thinking about this, Erica, I don't even know how long we've known each other. It's been a long (laughs) time. We've been here at RCBC. How long have you been here at RCBC? So I started at RCBC in 2010. Oh, wow. So I'm about a year before you. So we have known each other probably since the the 2010. I know we've been working together. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your job here at RCBC being the experiential learning manager, which is one of my favorite words (laughs) is experiential learning. Go ahead. (laughs) Sure. So um, as you said, I started here um, uh, years ago and my role prior to my current role is service learning specifically. So I used to work with faculty like you to integrate relevant service projects into the classes that were being taught here. Uh, coordinated different um, community-facing events and initiatives, and taught a service learning practicum. Historically at the college, experiential learning like service learning was happening, but it was happening uh, in different places, and it wasn't fully streamlined. So most recently, the college established an Office of Career Preparation and Experiential Learning. And so in my current role as Experiential Learning Manager, I work with faculty, students, employers, and community partners to offer high-quality, hands-on learning opportunities. Yeah, and I think that is the perfect role for you because when we work together with service learning, it's just a hand-in-hand with the partnerships, the community building, and now you're doing it with our own RCBC students in in the community. And we have a new uh, lady on campus here, Baroness, with us, Deborah Clocus, and you're the career preparation manager. And I know when I read your bio, you have a lot of experience in in this area. So tell us what what brought you to RCBC here. Sure. So I really came to RCBC because of the opportunity to work with students who are at the start of their 
college and academic experience, being at a two-year college, helping students who want to quickly get into the workforce, whether that's right after their associate's degree or if they're interested in transferring on to complete their bachelor's degree. So that's what brought me here. And I've been with the community for about four months, and I'm very excited to be starting the new academic year with everyone. Well, we're happy to have you here as a Baroness. So thank you for joining uh, me and Erica today. One thing that I I will say is I was part of an experiential learning uh, program in my undergrad. And when I came here as a uh, faculty, one of the things that I knew was missing from my program was experiential learning because I think building that classroom to career connection is huge. And I don't think um, a lot of people understand that. I think in my specialties in, in video production and sound recording engineering, a lot of the partners and producers and local business owners are looking for that connection of experiential learning who wants to take why experiential learning is so important? I just, I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. Who wants to take that off first and then jump? Well, You're both. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're so respectful of one another. <laughs> I mean, for me, I value experiential learning so much because it's what gives students the connection from what's happening in the classroom to apply it in the work that they will want to do eventually one day. Um, so I think that it is helpful for students who are really trying to navigate things from scratch to say, is this what I want to do? Or maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be and I have to change my path a little bit or look at a different option within what I'm studying, you know, because we can go in so many different directions with our academic background. Um, So I think experiential learning gives us the opportunity and gives students the opportunity to say, yes, this is it. Or that's what not quite what I thought it was going to be. But it helps everyone to develop their skills and their tools in such a more tangible way um, so that they can apply it in what comes next in their life. And experiential learning looks different for every single student Mm -hmm. and for every program. Uh, Brooke, I know you just said that you participated when you were an undergrad. Uh, When I was a student, I was heavily involved with volunteering. I studied abroad. I did undergraduate research. Uh, I went to a technical high school where everything, every single day was hands-on Uh, opportunities. So those are the types of things that we're talking about when we're talking about experiential learning. It's learning by doing, and it's very broad. It can be um, those examples that I provided, uh, but it can also be um, collaborative assignments in the classroom, right? Um, It can be these other um, immersive experiences. Like right now, we have a group of students who are serving as delegates um, at, uh, they're doing research for the UN's global sustainability um, goals. And they're going to be pitching their ideas tomorrow um, at the UN Global Assembly. So those are different types of opportunities that really get our students out there um, and experiencing the real world. And what I think is really unique about experiential learning is and and being tied to a community college, it's different. Why do you think it's so different and has almost like a closer 
connection when you're working at a community college? I'm going to turn that question over to Deborah since she comes to us from a four-year institution. You could take a break to think yeah. about it. Yeah. She's yeah. like, let me let me think Sorry. about my thought there. <laughs> but I was trying I guess- to tie like the tight, tight, tighter community. Mm-hmm. Like right. I think a lot of partner. Like this is where you would maybe. Yeah, so you know I, mean? I know I think this over is where maybe years. you should take it since mm-hmm. I haven't seen it all in action sure. yet. You know, <laughs> so I was role- trying to bring like the former service learning yes, thing and yes. come it to fruition. Yes. That's so where I was going with that. Sorry, for- yeah. yeah, we're good. All right, so <laughs> let's pick it up in three, two, one. So working with the community for as many years uh, as I have, I've seen a lot of overlap with uh, our students and these organizations. Maybe the students actually benefited from some of the organizations in our local community and those students and feel more connected. Uh, As a community college, our students live here. They come from here. They spend every day here. And so being able to leave campus and see the organizations that we're working with really makes an impact on them. So one of the things that I've been seeing around campus here coming back are these giant posters everywhere and emails about this thing called Handshake. What's this all about? Let's talk about it. Sure. So Handshake is our online platform for students to use for job search, for resources that we offer in our office, and also to schedule appointments with our staff members. So it's a really end to complete their experiential learning components within the academic classroom. So it's a real nice like one stop for them to come in and get their career development elements. Um, So What's also a nice benefit of Handshake is that many colleges and universities across the country use it. So it gives our students access to so many employers. And on the reverse side, it gives employers so much access to our students because um, they're able to come in as employers and connect with multiple schools in one account. So it's a really nice benefit for everyone to interact and make those connections to find out about career fairs that are happening, events that may be taking place on campus or off campus, because many employers host events virtually, even before the pandemic, but so much more since. Um, So students are able to connect with these really large corporations that they might not have had access to otherwise. And so they could be corporations that are here locally in Philadelphia, New Jersey, or if they're thinking, you know, I might branch out from New Jersey and Burlington County at some point in my life, they can get some early exposure to what those companies have to offer. Um, But additionally, they can connect with our staff by going into Handshake and creating appointments, and therefore they can meet with us in person. Um, And then we have many resources that are available there as well. So if a student is awake at two o'clock in the morning contemplating life and where they're going and what they want to do, they can log in. Handshake is there. Handshake is there at all hours of the day. Uh, So it's a really nice way for students to stay connected with us, even when the office may be closed. So when a corporation or a local business contacts you, you know, when I was looking for a job at the student's, you know, age must be different from what an employer is looking for today, right? Things change, trends change. What are these businesses, they're contacting you, what are they looking for? 
So I would say that many of these organizations are looking for students who are eager to learn. You know, they're teachable, they're trainable. It's, I think that what I often hear from employers is, wow, I didn't do this when I was a freshman in college or I was a first year in college. Exactly, me neither. You, you know, and they're just very much impressed by what the students have done through high school with that part-time job opportunity they may have had or school leadership that they may have taken advantage of. So I do think that to an employer seeing that, they say, wow, there's a strong baseline of working with people and the rest of it I can train because they've already had some exposure to a work environment. So, you know, if they can communicate with me effectively, whether that's through email or in an interview, that's a great start. And I can help train on the rest. You know, I, I absolutely love that word communicate um, and, 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 and obviously people skills. And I think Erica, you can also maybe kind of talk about that because when we work together with service learning projects and building partnerships and really giving my students a, a job, right? <laughs> connecting them, connecting them with some of these partners and producing films and things together. Communication is key. Um, what did you, what do you feel when you, when we, when we saw these students in action and we were talking with the partners, what are some skills that you think are kind of those skills that these students really need to have today? I mean, definitely, like you said, communication. And I think that uh, the integrating experiential learning into classrooms uh, as assignments that are supported by the faculty member really give the students a supportive environment to break out of their shells, to try to learn new communication skills. Maybe they never, in your uh, example, Brooke, maybe they've never had to work with a client before. And so this gives them that opportunity. They're there in front of a client with other students who may never never have ever worked with a client either. And so they're in this together. They're supported by you as the instructor. And the organization that you're working with also understands that this is a learning environment. So it's a safe environment for the students to really, again, like I said, come out of their shell, gain that skill, and uh, develop it throughout the rest of the semester. Can you talk about any other unique assignments that you've seen that these students are doing around campus? Sure. So we have human services students who are in a couple different classes, actually, who complete agency interviews. So they are leaving the classroom. They are engaging with professionals in their field of study and learning what their jobs are on a day-to-day -day basis. What does that facility look like? Who are the clients that they're working with? The students are also given the option to do a few hours of service learning. And so if they're volunteering with an organization rather than doing an agency interview, they're engaged in the actual activities that that organization does day to day to serve the folks in the community. I mean, that sounds amazing. Like if you were a student and I already knew that I had access to do like trial interviews or you know, go and test those kinds of things. Like I didn't have that in undergrad. That's pretty amazing that I have that opportunity to do that. Um, and I know it doesn't just start with handshake. What are some other things 
Um, and I know you said about that handshake offers all these other specialties. When a student walks in, how do they apply for handshake? Is it easy as just going online? Do Would you prefer them to come to the office? I know you have some other services you offer to kind of get them prepped to then go to the next step. Would you share those other services that your office has to offer for them? Sure. So every student that's enrolled at RCBC has an account to handshake, so they don't have to create one. It's there for them. Yay. It's and it's free. And, and it it's is free. free. Exactly. Hashtag free. Yes, exactly. So they go to their Baron One, and from there, there's a tile that they can click on and get right into handshake. So we make it very accessible, very easy for them to navigate. Um before getting connected to those employers and applying to those positions, um, you know, it's important that a student meet with somebody in our office and talk to them about resume development, because most often when you start that conversation with the employer, they're going to say, okay, where's your resume? Yeah, where's your portfolio and resume? I have lots of students that come to me saying, hey, can you help me write a resume? And I go, well, have you tried? Like, do you write everything down? Maybe open up a Google Doc, start looking at your skills and things, but I can only tell them so much, right? right? So that's when I send them to you. So you you help them resume build. What are some tips and tricks that you give them for that? Sure. So, you know, first and foremost, I think what's important is for a student to know that it needs to stay to one page. We so often see that they go on to two pages and, you know, there are some tips and tricks of formatting. You don't need to keep a one to one and a quarter inch margin, like you're writing a paper. That's nice to hear. You know, the students are like, wow, I can change the margin. And I say, yeah, you can. Yeah. This is your document. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, and then mainly like at the meat of it beyond just the formatting of it, it's to identify what are those transferable skills that you've experienced? What kind of responsibilities might have you been given? So, you know, if you worked at Five Below or at Target, were you training other new staff members that were coming in and or were you supervising anybody new? And so to demonstrate that, to explain that, to quantify it, you know, how many of those new people did you help to train and ingratiate into your department? Um, that's so that's so valuable for a student to talk about because that, again, shows the level of trust or responsibility that your previous manager had put on you for that new employer to say, huh, there's something there. That's that's good to know. Somebody else found value in your work ethic and how you were part of the team. And I think a lot of students don't realize the amount of skills that they do have. Yes. So just like you said, they might work at Target or Starbucks. I know half of my students work at Target or Starbucks. Um, but I always say, like, think about the things that you don't really think about that you're doing on a daily basis. And that's just a great example. Like, did you train somebody? How many people have you trained? And what what are your other job responsibilities? And then how to write that in a professional format. Right. It's and very difficult. Right to that point. I think it's the best starting point is to just get out a blank piece of paper or a tablet and just brainstorm and put it all down on paper, do not worry about that format. I think when students look at those templates or start to, you know, fill in the blank of that template, there's a lot of pressure and stress that comes oh in that. Oh my gosh, so much anxiety, I'm sure, because they don't know what to write and what to fill in or what to I write or how to write it. Yeah. Like, you know, how, oh, I'm supposed to make this sound so professional and sophisticated, but 
I was just, you know, filling coffee orders. Well, right. let's, let's pull back from that. Right. Like what else was happening? Or, their over, or the overuse of the thesaurus for mm. words. And you're <laughs> like, I actually don't even know what that word means, but I like it. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I totally understand that. And, and that's really a wonderful, um, you know, product that you provide the students. What are some other things that you do over in your office? Sure. And um you know, I'll, I'll joke and say, close your ears because you're a faculty member, but not every student always likes what they're coming in to study. And so they're thinking, is this sure. the right fit? Right. Or they may like what they're studying in the classroom, but they don't really know what that's going to translate once they're out of RCBC. <clears throat> and so we have another system that we use in our office called Focus 2, which has some career assessments associated with it. So we guide the student to take those assessments and then meet with them afterward to review the results and help them understand what do you do with this information. And then there's another piece to that product that helps students navigate and understand um, occupations. So you can search all different types of job titles. It goes through an, a synopsis of what that is. It provides video links. It provides professional association links. It talks about what are potential earnings, what other advanced degree might you need to go for if you want to continue in this type of occupation. So it's a, a great resource for somebody that's just exploring and trying to navigate what they may be good at in the future. And to Deborah's point about the students not knowing what their major might translate into when they leave RCBC or step into the career field, we are trying very hard to get to the students as early as possible, uh, not only to have uh, completed a career assessment, but to engage then in an experience related to that field. We want the students to be able to have that exposure early so that they know whether they enjoy that. What we're trying to prevent, and I think has happened so many times to so many students, and maybe even some of us in the room, you start with one major, and then you end up with a different major, and then you end up with a different major, and you think that you love that major, and then you graduate with your degree, you go on to get another degree, you might go on to get yet another degree, but you've never actually had experience in that field. And so you go through all of this education, all of these years, and then you, for the first time, step foot into that career, and you don't love it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard that story many a times. It's like I went to school for X, Y, and Z, but I'm in completely A, B, and C because I went and got a job and I disliked, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. And what's great about that is that, like you said, you're getting in early. So they're not then spending more time in a classroom, not enjoying, let's say, a class, but then get, focusing them no pun intended on your focus, <laughs> focusing them, right? Focusing them into really a, a, a love, a loved relationship. You know, so how many people we know is like, I hate my job. I don't love my job. And, and this is really to help those students and get them in there early. And mm -hmm. I think that's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Um, so the, the, the local community and partnerships, how are you getting, um, you know, how are you obtaining these local businesses to come specifically to RCBC and Log and Handshake? Because that is a 
big job here. <laughs> and I know Erica is is one of the people here that rallies some of those with a lot of her partnerships. But how do you get these businesses to come specifically to RCBC and why do they come to RCBC? Sure. So I think uh, we, we take various approaches to uh, getting some of these and developing some of these partnerships. Uh, like you said, Brooke, um, because I've been here for years and I've developed some partnerships already, it's it's utilizing networking, right? It's talking to organizations that we might already have a relationship with and seeing um, who their connections are. And I can't tell you how many times I'm working with an organization and then they talk about another organization that they're working with where there's a need or their friend or their mother um, or a classmate who's engaged in an activity and um, is looking to recruit right assistance, whether it's a sure. job, whether it's interns or volunteers. So really utilizing some of our existing partnerships to uh, build and, and grow new ones. But also Handshake has just been a huge help in uh, this area as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think Deborah can speak a little bit to that. Sure. So I'll I'll say, you know, a lot of the organizations, the companies in the area have been on Handshake because they're using it at other campuses. So it's really just introducing them to RCBC as well and that we're on the platform and they can connect with our students. So when they go to post a position, an internship or a part-time job, they can then select us as an option as well. Um, so it's just doing some additional outreach that way. Again, leaning on some of our campus partners, um, Stacy Hunt over at Workforce Development, we work with closely. Um, we also work with our partners in the foundation office to say, you know, where are there some overlaps? Where can we you know, say, oh, you've already been talking to this person, well, come to campus and meet our students, you know, and giving them that opportunity and that doorway to come into campus, whether it's for a networking event, a panel discussion, or the fall opportunities fair that's coming up or the spring one that will take place. Um, they just, the, the employers, I think, like to have that opportunity to meet people in person and it not just always be this transaction that's happening on Handshake. And so it is using our, our resources, whether it's the connections that Erica has made over the years or the partnerships that other people on our campus have had as well. And many of the partnerships are with faculty, right? Mm -hmm. And so faculty have been huge in identifying some of these opportunities to get in front of students. So I don't want to forget to mention that because really – you're in that field. You as the instructor, you're in that industry. You have the connections. You know what's going to be a good learning environment for the students. And so that's been a huge help in fostering relationships. Well, you both said my huge word is networking, mm -hmm. um, especially in my industry. Um, and I'd love to expand on that because I feel like there's been like this disconnect with networking now that we have all these online tools that are not amazing. We, 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 we all now see how awesome it is to connect and many of us are using all these tools on a daily basis. But the face-to-face -face networking, I just don't want to leave it off the table. How important is still that face-to-face, -face, that networking, that connection for students to learn? So I'll say, because we just talked about how important uh, that is within our work, Deborah and mine, um, for me, 
I, I'm not the kind of person who loves LinkedIn. I'm not the kind of person who loves using technology for that networking. And I think that like, <laughs> um, it's that's, okay. That's so yeah, it's different in our line of work. Normally, yeah. like in career services, you're all about that. You, you know how to utilize it. You really like live in that space. But for me, um, it's always been about the, the face-to-face. It's always been about these in-person conversations, um, doing events together, being uh, engaged um, in the moment where we are. Uh, and so for me, I, I really, um, I wouldn't have a job <laughs> if, if that wasn't a skill that I was able to develop over the years. No, and I think LinkedIn has its place. I definitely do, but I think it, it's all a balance. You know, there's so much about balance and everything, but definitely when it comes to networking, you know, it's it's good to make that connection on LinkedIn because you can find people that way that mm-hmm. they might not be coming to those events, but then, you know, support it by saying, can we go grab a cup of coffee or could I, you know, meet up with you um, to ask a few questions or thanks for coming to that campus class that you know, you spoke at the other day. I just wanted to reach out on LinkedIn to stay in touch with each other um, because I'd be interested in an internship that you may be offering in the future. So it has its place, but I don't think that it's exclusive. Like, I don't think that a student or anyone should rely on LinkedIn solely um, because the in-person is so valuable. It, It makes that piece of paper you're handing somebody like tangible to who's behind it. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely am somebody that's like, it should be in person. It doesn't have to solely be in person because it's hard to get in touch with people sometimes in person. Um, but if you're doing the LinkedIn outreach, don't just send a message and not add a note. Always add a note because somebody's going to have a little more context as to why you picked them to connect with. Yeah, be a little personable. It, exactly. And, and and I love that. And I also like that you both shared LinkedIn, but, you know, different generations, a lot of these students don't even have a LinkedIn. We're talking, they have an Instagram, they have a a Facebook, they have a TikTok. Their social presence is different on some of these other social media platforms. And as people in the career services um, area and expertise, what would be some things that you would share the do's and do nots of students and these social media channels, because you know that these employers are, are, are going to Google you are Mm -hmm. going to look, look just at your resume. You're going to put your Instagram up there. You're going to maybe put a Vimeo or a YouTube page or things, especially my students have YouTube and Vimeo channels. What are those do's and don'ts that you tell those students should be on there, shouldn't be on there? Well, if they haven't learned by now, because they are the generation that have had this their whole existence, um, I'll I'll be surprised if they haven't learned it by now, right? So either Mm -hmm. make your account private and check on it because we know that these platforms love to update their settings and then it's all of a sudden one day you go in and you're like, well, I thought that was a private account and now it's not. Um, So doing some check-ins on your account settings, doing some check-ins by Googling your own name to see what appears. 
but also always being mindful that someone can find this. And so if you wouldn't want an employer to find it, like I won't even say a grandmother. I feel like when I was younger, people would be like, if you don't want your grandmother to see it. Well, like some people are like, yeah, my grandmother was there with me. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, if you don't. Okay, granny. (laughs) If you don't want your employer seeing it and you don't think that this would be something that would be seen as a positive to you joining that organization, then think twice before you post it and put it out there. Um, But then, you know, some who are in the creative, they feel they want it out there and they want to have that all looking very um, polished and it's a way to express themselves visually. And that's great. So like use it to what it's there for. Um, But on the flip side, like, all these organizations, most of them are on all the different social platforms. So for you to then as a potential candidate or person that may work there, like follow them to be sure that this is the type of environment and culture that you would want to be a part of. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it works both ways. And I, I love that you brought it up. It's like sometimes they're so students are so wanting the job, but then they don't really know the employer and it's like you said, if you're following what they're doing and then you're saying, "Mm, this might not be for me exactly kind of what the whole idea is behind the experiential part of learning is that just as much as you want the job, it might not be the right fit for you. And I think a lot of people get lost in that. Do you see that a lot? I think sometimes And I think, you know, I can attest to this too. You're so hungry for the opportunity or just to be able to get that offer or get that, yes, we want you. And that feels so great. It's kind of like dating when you go through this whole (laughs) process that you kind of forget how you're supposed to be evaluating them as much as they're evaluating you. And then I think once a person gets into a position, it can then say, oh, Maybe I didn't look at this as critically as I should have, or maybe I forgot to ask a question that I really, so I do think that even for anybody at any stage of the process, not to just blindly send out their resume, but to really, and not to overthink it either, but, you know, ask the critical questions in the interview. Don't just be so gracious that they want to meet with you and be prepared for them to ask you the questions, prepared to ask them the questions in return. And I'd also say to be open-minded when even looking at those opportunities in the first place, right? So a lot of times students have uh, this dream, this vision, um, and that's amazing. But when they're looking at an internship, let's say, they want something that's very specific to what that dream and vision is, but maybe that's not available at this stage and they have to start somewhere. And so being flexible with the types of opportunities that they're looking for, still responsibilities within that um, experience aligning with their field, but it can look a bit different and there needs to be some flexibility because that might be that student's foot in the door to get them ultimately where they want to be, where that big dream is. Well, ladies, we have been talking about some really interesting things. And and throughout each podcast, I write down keywords that we've been talking about, and I use them as hashtags. So I wanted to list some of these words. And then I'm going to ask you what your 
personal hashtag is. Okay, so here we go. Hashtag free, hashtag opportunity, hashtag benefits, connected, handshake, learn, teachable, impressed, leadership, people, break out of their skills, interview, transferable skills, training, responsibility, career, engage, networking, and the last one that I loved, flexibility. So who wants to go first? My hashtag would be hashtag get experience. I love it. Debra? Eric and I are very similar (laughs) in many ways. And mine would be hashtag opportunity. So even though I'm on the career, you know, focus, I mean, it's all hand in hand. It's all hand in hand. If you don't have the opportunity, if you don't have the experience, if you don't have like the trial part of it. How do you build a resume? how do you know where you're going to go in your career? Like it, you have to have that. Well, I think we have done a really great job today. And I want to thank both of you for coming on the Baroness podcast. Where can students find you? Websites, physical location, what do we got? So our physical location, we are over in the Student Success Center on the first floor. We are down the hallway that is adjacent to the public safety desk. Excellent. And where can we find you online? rcbc.edu slash careers. And we have such great social support from our marketing department. So you can just follow updates from RCBC Instagram and other social platforms. Thank you so much for joining us on the Baroness podcast. We will see you next time. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC podcast network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast available on all streaming platforms.